Thanks for listening to the nice podcast. I'm Dave Delaney. If you haven't noticed, we've taken a little bit of a hiatus over the last several months. Uh, A big revelation was found. I have ADHD, and that explains a whole lot. And of course, naturally, as a veteran podcaster, I started another podcast all about it, and it's called ADHD Wise Squirrels, and you can find it at wisequirrels.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Just search ADHD Wise Squirrels. Pop over and have a listen. Let me know what you think. Thanks. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Zoom fatigue is is an excuse, not a disease. We'll gladly spend hours, you know, watching Netflix shows, or we'll gladly spend hours involved in something we want to do. But but it's an easy excuse when we don't want to do it to say, I don't, I don't have time for it, or I'm I'm, I'm zoomed out, or whatever. That comes back to presenter making it entertaining enough the headlines be right the content be good and the presentation being good enough that you want to watch and so i that for, for me it's about keeping conversation you know keeping presentations bright enough short enough and impactful enough that becomes remarkable which is worth remarking about which always gets me the next gig yeah, and, and Zoom fatigue. Yeah, I like your your uh, your approach to that, or your thinking about that. Like, it's not it's not so much yeah Zoom fatigue. It's boring meeting fatigue, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or virtual same, boring meeting. It's fatigue. the same problem we've always had, right? It's just, yeah, we went from complaining about meetings to complaining about Zoom. But when the meet when the meeting is good, when when you're able yeah. to participate, when you have input, when you feel like you've gotten somewhere, then it's time well spent. Nice. 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 Nice with Dave Delaney. Hey, welcome to the Nice Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Delaney. I've got a great show lined up for you today. I do want to say thank you to everybody who took our little survey that you can still find at the link in the description, friend.nicepodcast.co. So please drop by and take that little short survey. Let me know what you think of the show. Now, my guest today is Arnie Malham. Arnie is an entrepreneur, proud parent, a culture consultant. He's the founder and president of betterbookclub.com, formerly of CJ Advertising. He's also the author of Worth Doing Wrong, Build a Culture That Rocks. And you will learn a lot today about leadership and about just that, building a culture that rocks. This is a really fun conversation with Arnie, so I'm not going to ramble here. I'm just going to let you sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. So let's, yeah, let's jump into this, man. And I'm going to start with this question that I always ask my guests. What's the nicest thing someone has done for you recently? Uh-huh. Are we starting? Are we, are we- oh, yeah, that's it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> where's the where's the slap slick the you know the boom yeah uh, nah we'll do that later okay yeah the you know the nicest thing someone has done for me lately and i've heard you ask other people this question and i always think why well, aren't they ready with an answer but then you ask me and i pause again so that's okay it's, always, it's the it's the it's the circle of life i guess there's no right or wrong answer by the way yeah i you know I think I I was uh, recently reading about um, studying people's habits and how we have we're blessed with this opportunity to study people's habits by just reading about them. And and, you know we get we sometimes get a different version uh, in the book than happened in real life. Maybe it's maybe it's um, uh, uh, added to a little bit or or or, uh, embellished a little bit. But we get to read about someone else's experiences and then and then put those experiences to work in our lives and. for all those people that that take the time, take the months it takes to write a book, 
put their life in perspective and then hand it to us in the form of a book or an audio that's the nicest things people do do for me. I, I, I learn from others through their books, and that's a nice thing. Yeah, I love that. And and what's a book you just read? What's something you've read recently that stood out to you? I, I, I'm reading Innovation Stack right now. I'm like seventy percent through, and I'm one of those people that you know the best book I'm reading is the one I'm reading right now because it's fresh in my head. You know, right, the movie I just saw was last night. Uh, <laughs> and the Innovation Stack is basically the story of Square and how it started and why it wasn't just one thing they had to overcome, but a stack of things that they had to overcome. And with every innovation in life, uh, it talks about the fact that you're, you're generally solving one problem while creating often another, which then also has to be solved. So it's this concept of not just innovation, which gets you incremental improvement, but an innovation stack that gets you, in, you know, actual change in terms of how people work, play, or act. Interesting. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, Dave, the most entertaining book I've read since reading Hunter S. Thompson many, many years ago huh. is Matthew McConaughey's Greenlight. It, I, I don't know that, I don't know how much substance is in the book, but Matthew puts on a performance and the book is pure entertainment. And, and I would defy anyone to, to listen to it and not just be entertained. I've heard him interviewed uh, on several different podcasts about that, and I've heard great things about that one. So it, that is actually on my list. I'm re I'm actually reading right now an old one, uh, "A Walk in the Woods" by Bill Bryson. Yeah, uh, about like hiking through the uh, Appalachian Trail, and it's amazing. It's hilarious. It's really funny. It's amazing. It, it, is it, is, and I'm I'm not familiar with it, but is it a story of, of his thoughts out as he walks through? Yes, is it a story about the walk through. It's it's about all of the above. It's about yeah. it's about the history of the walk, um, and how you know it was conceived, how it was kind of created, and all these things. And and um, so it, there's historic stuff in there, and then but but it's all under the the background story that he is uh, has decided that he's going to hike, uh, hike the whole thing. Um, over several months. And, and, uh, so then it's, it's him sort of preparing for it. It gets in, I'm, I'm sort of like a third through or something. And then like bringing a friend along who came with him and, and the people they run into along the yeah. way and things like that. And I mean, uh, strangely, I haven't read any of Bill Bryson's books before. Um, and I've always heard great things. And I'm a big, you know, avid traveler and, uh, and I like humor as well. And so this, yeah, this book do, it totally does not disappoint. It's great. Well, you know, that, that brings up an interesting point about, about, and I'm, I'm, I'll, we'll, we'll talk about books for a while and then we'll, we'll move on to some other topics. Sure. But, but, but I've learned because I'm around a lot of readers, you know, my world is better book club and I'm, and I'm, I'm around getting books and brains. That's kind of my mission right now. And, and what I found is that books that appeal to me because, you know, it's a parable or it's a story within a story or that's, it's, um, uh, more entertaining. It, it's, it's indirect knowledge as opposed to direct knowledge, which is do A, B, and C, right? It's a, it's learning from a story. Some people don't, some people prefer what I prefer, but some people want to just be, just tell me what to do and I'll do it, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, some people like to listen. Some people can't wait to read on their, their electronic device. Some people cannot read unless they're holding the book in their hand. So everyone does it differently. And we, we're so fortunate to live in a world where all of those things are available to us. We really are. Yeah. Especially, I mean, audiobooks have really blown up over the last couple of years that like they, that format has really, has really taken off. Do you think like, as far as books go, like it's interesting. Yeah. It, it's interesting how people, different people consume that type of content. So like, and how they retain it. Cause that's yeah. something, do you have tips or for the books that you read, like how you retain the information? Well, there's two, there's, there's three primary ways. One is the discipline of, of, of dog earing and, and, and margining note the book as you read it. There's, yeah. There's, you know, as you dog get it, as you write a note about it, it sort of ingrains that memory in your head and it sort of helps. Another is that you just, you know, you keep separate notes. I've got tons of friends who keep, you know, pages and pages of notes and it's not because they go back and read the notes, but the art of 
down the notes, taking down a page or two of notes on a book helps the your brain sort of ingrain that information. Mm. And then the third way, which is which in my mind is easier than both, is just talk about the books you read. Talk talk about it with people who have read, talk about it with people who haven't read. Uh, never saying never necessarily saying that they should read it, just sharing your experience because as we as we talk about things, then again it's another chance to ingrain that information. Uh, often when when I'm talking to someone about a book I've read and they tell me their version of it, that's it's it like it brings up the whole book again, and I go to sort of relive what I gathered from that book or what I didn't gather from that book. Mm, yeah, that's interesting it, it, and definitely good ways to do it. One thing that I do is like your first point. Like I'll make I'll make notes whether it's electron an electronic book or whether it's in a paper book. I'll make notes within the book, but then what I do, um, I don't do with every book, but I, I do it with a fair amount. And I'll, I'll write a blog post yes. and share, uh, excerpts like, you know, from, from the book. So I'll share like some key points that I learned from the book and sort of give a little bit of my own sort of take on it. And then what I'll do. So, so it works from like one, I've read the book. Mm-hmm. Second, I'm, I've written down the key points and then, and then I've transcribed those into a blog post. And so in doing so, that helps me retain that information. Um, and then when I write the blog post, then I put it out to my own friends, fans, followers so that they have, you know, I share that with them. So I'm providing value to my network. But then a, a, a step after that is then I reach out to the author, uh, with a link to the, to my article to say, Hey, here's a blog post I just wrote with some of the key points. I loved your book. And, and that also in a sort of networking way, uh, builds a bit of a, at least an initial possible relationship with that author. And so it's a good way to network with authors as well. Yeah. Close the loop on, on the circle of learning and, and maybe pick up a little, a, you know, a, if, if the author responds, which I'm, I gotta imagine they often do, mm. you pick up yet another little nugget or two, little, little ingrain that, that came along after. So, um, what's, and what's also great about that is that, um, it then allows people to discover your blog post as opposed to you uh, always always uh, uh, giving it to them when they expect it and, and it yeah. gives you a chance to be uh, the teacher which is as we all know is, is the best way we learn we learn the most when we teach absolutely yeah yeah no I've learned I've learned that firsthand absolutely the um, uh, another method I've, I've learned for for uh, authors or aspiring authors or bloggers or what have you is uh, the note card method. Do you know about this? No, no. That's a, tell, tell me more. It's interesting. So I haven't done it myself, but it's a great idea that I've seen. I believe Ryan Holiday does it where you take um, like small plastic boxes and you take note cards and like regular, you know, small note cards uh-huh, uh-huh. and you um, jot down so the quotes I talked about transcribing uh, into a blog post, instead you take those notes or those quotes and you put them on a note card, like individually on individual note cards and you give it a heading like, you know, health or wellness or fitness or business or whatever it may be, networking, whatever. Yeah. And then you categorize it into this, you put all these note cards into like plastic boxes, basically. Um, and, old and that old school, a totally old school. But yeah. what happens then is that, um, and I know, I believe Ryan Holiday is the one that I saw doing this. Now, when he writes a book about whatever the topic is, he goes through his boxes and says, okay, this part of the, the book, I want to talk about, you know, I want to talk about business development. And he goes to that category and finds like quotes and things from yeah. that, from those boxes. So it's, it's, it's pretty intense, I think, and, and might take up a lot of space. Well, first of all, Ryan Holiday is is certainly one of my favorite thought leaders, and I think one of his greatest abilities is pattern recognition. He sees patterns in things and, and sees uh, thing, the way things are connected in a way that other people don't see, which gives him a unique perspective. Yeah. And so that's 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 what that sounds like as an old school computing method to 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 connect things that otherwise wouldn't be connected, right? Uh, which which allows him to have pattern recognition, which which I happen to believe is one of the the secrets to uh, you know great great innovation, great in, great thinking is is pure pattern recognition, being able to spot things that other people don't, or or spot people spot things faster than other people do. Yeah, and for and for other aspiring writers, what 
let me let me ask you for for worth doing wrong the yeah. the quest to build a culture that rocks, which is yeah. a great book. Uh, tell us a little bit about like that that process for you for for writing the book. Well, the uh, same you know, much like I've talked about, it was about you know when you when every, everyone everyone kind of people who want to write a book have to figure out what the order of things are. What do I talk about first? How do I, just like in this conversation, how do we lead into the conversation? So that by the time we get to the, to the six points we want to make, those six points are in the right order, have the right supporting stories uh, and, and, and make the most sense. And so you start gathering things and much like your concept of notes in boxes, I started putting uh, little short stories on the wall and grouping them in, uh, first into timeline, which is one way to do it. Another is to uh, topic or thing in common. And then another was, was you know, sometimes in shows they'll take you forward, then take you back, take you forward, take you back. Yeah. So I did like a seesaw method to see how do I really want this book to come together. That, 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 and we tested it a, a few of those patterns with people. How, how does this hit you? What, is, what does the order of this look like? So that's what I did mm. in order to get the – sort of the story right and, and uh, if, if, if people to discover who discover the book will know that, that that our origin story is actually in the back of the book um and and some of the some of the things that we were doing really really well towards the before i exited the businesses we put at the front of the book so we basically said here's all the stuff we figured out how to do and now i'm going to work backwards and show you how we came up with it Hey, you're listening to The Nice Podcast with Dave Delaney. That's me. Visit futureforth.com to learn how we can transform the communication at your organization. And if you need a speaker for your next online event or your in-person conference, are we doing in-person conferences yet? Uh, Soon, I hope. Uh, You can visit davedelaneyspeaks.com. And uh, you'll learn more about working with me there. All right, let's get back to the show. Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah. so you didn't, you didn't. Uh, it's been a little while. So you didn't. You started with the achievements, and then yeah. and then let folks know. And we're, I'm going to walk you through like how we reach those achievements. We de- deconstructed it. Yeah. The good news is that, that if you just read the first chapter or two, you'll know all the. You'll know everything we did. You can stop and figure it out yourself. Or, or you can decide, I don't want to do any of that. That guy's crazy. Like, I don't want, I don't want you to hear these <laughs> ideas. And you can just stop, right? So, but if you keep going, we sort of reconstruct and go, here's how we, here's, here's, what we, here's how we did it wrong. Here's the lessons we learned. And here's, here's how we finally get it right. And you said you mapped it out on the wall. Was this, was it like for, for coming up with the book, was it, was it like, oh my God, I got to write this book or was it, you know, I'm, I'm trying to grow like, uh, some speaking, uh, gigs and, and, and building my new business, better book club. And, and I need a book or, or tell me about that thinking like, well, yeah, the, 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 basically I just got goaded into it by my friends and, and we got so far along that I couldn't stop. But the, the, we were, we, you know, we built a, a very, interesting culture at CG advertising. We called it camel culture. Camel culture was, was a collection of all the things that, that, that we did in a remarkable way that attracted the talent attracted and retained the talent that made us one of the top agencies in the whole country. Hmm. And it was, and it was, you know, we did it wrong. You know, my story is I, we did it wrong for 10 years. I got frustrated. I realized that I was running the very business that I, that, that I swore I would never run. Uh, and, and that it was only through books and the experiences of others that I started to, 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 to get a few things right and start to piece together a culture that was about growing my team more than anything else. And when I say growing my team, uh, I don't mean in a specific, uh, 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 thing, but just make them better, help everyone become better humans. And then we all became a better business. That's a long way of saying we built a culture that rocked and a lot of people would come to it and we would tell our story over and over. And finally, my friends just really would not leave me alone until I wrote a book. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, and that's, that's often, <laughs> that can often be what happens. Is that sort of the, was that sort of a, an accountability kind of aspect to that then maybe like telling them, okay, I'm going to do it. And then yeah. th- your friends yeah. kind of holding your feet to the fire. Yeah. How, how's that coming? What's going on? And then, and then, you know, where are you at in it? And then so you just finally go, you have two choices. You can either quit or you can finish the race. And that, you know, that's also how I feel, you know, actually finished my one or two half marathons is like, you have two choices. You can, the half marathon in Nashville happened to run right by my house when I was living, uh, 
um, over in the Belmont area. And, mm. and, and it's like at the, you know, the halfway of the half marathon, I've never done a full, but, and, and I would just say, and I get to the house, that's my chance to quit. If I pass my house, I got to go all the way. And, and it's, and it's, I know it's an odd analogy. But it's sort of the same with the book. I put so much into just arranging the pieces that it seemed ridiculous to quit. So we, we went all the way. And I, and I want to give a huge, uh, shout out credit. Uh, Dave Rumsey was a team member at CJ. He's still there. Uh, he'd been with us for about five years and he knew our culture and he knew me very well, mm. uh, but not for Dave Rumsey helping me deconstruct that wall, get things together, uh, uh, help, you know, put passages together. I might not have finished that marathon, that half marathon. That's interesting. So you didn't like, you could have just slipped out of your house and, and run the last, the last half. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I thought it about that. Yeah. Yeah. You could do that. Uh, yeah. And yeah, just finished with everybody else, but no, it, you know, like a lot. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm, there's plenty of things in life where I have just said, I'm, I'm, I've had enough, but this was one, uh, that it felt like the right thing to do to finish it uh, and honor all the, all the people that didn't get the good culture in the first 10 years. So that, so at least, at least that effort went for something and to honor all the, the people that, that are still in the culture at CJ advertising now, uh, because they help figure out how to get it right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it takes, it takes a village for sure. And, so in, in, you know, as far as like we're doing wrong, what were, what were maybe a couple of the, the mistakes you were making early on that you realized, well, I got a course correct here. Well, the, 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 the number one story is the fact that, um, we, we build, we, we, many of us grow up working in a company and we take note of things subconsciously and consciously of things we would never do if we were running the company. Like, I can't believe they're making me fill out the S264 form. Like, that that's just so stupid. Why would I ever do that? And I can't believe I can't take time off when I need it. I can't believe I can't work with people who make me better. And I can't believe I have to, you know, clock out. And clock, like, all these random things, some serious, some not serious. But we, we make these mental images of that. And then we start our own. I mean, some people start their own company. And lo and behold, what happens? We build a company that's got all those problems. We got an 84 page policy manual. We've got rules that no one understands. We've got forms that are just a pain in the ass to fill out. And we got people who are not, who, who don't fit, who don't believe what we believe all around the organization. So we have mm. a bad culture. And I had that after 10 years of, of, of swinging at a, at a business that I thought could be successful. All I ended up with was a place I didn't even want to work. And, 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 and I was listening to a speaker, John DeJulius, customer service guru from Cleveland. He was speaking literally to my clients at my conference that I was putting on. I was half listening. And John DeJulius was telling the audience uh, about a culture of customer service. And he said these three words. He said, ladies and gentlemen, culture reflects leadership. And it just hit me. Like a ton of bricks that hit me so hard and realized that I was the leader. And right. that the culture we had was a reflection of my inability to, to build people, to, to build their people to become a better company. And it was at that moment that I decided that, that we were going to look at everything we were doing and make it instead of, instead of a rule, we were going to make uh, a remarkable outcome from every thing we were doing that the entire team could get on board with. And that began this journey of correcting all the things we'd done wrong for 10 years to finally, and it took us 10 years to get it all right. And how did you measure success, uh, you know, from yeah. a, from a culture perspective, how were you, how were you, were you, were you able to, to measure that success to know in fact that, that things are going well culture wise? Absolutely. And I think any company can do this. Many companies are scared to do this, but you can often measure culture success with tenure. If, if mm -hmm. you have tenure, low turnover, high tenure on your team, then you probably have a place people enjoy. If you have high turnover in an area or on the entire team and low tenure, then you might want to take a look at that. That's, that's sort of the overall indicator. I have, we were in a, we in many companies now are in a niche business. It was important that our tenure and our knowledge was high. And the number one way we found to make knowledge high was to keep tenure high. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we measured our success through tenure. And then we did something else that, that I write about in the book, called the morale survey. Every month of 
every year for 10 years, we ask our entire team uh, via survey of on a scale from 1 to 10, and 10 being the best place you can imagine working and 1 being the worst, how do you feel about working at CJ right now? Mm. And every month, they would give us a number, and if they were inclined, they would give us a comment. And every month, we would average those scores, and we would post them on the wall, and we would, and we would tell how many people participated. We would post the score, and then we would uh, respond to every comment publicly mm. so that every member of the team could see every comment that was submitted, also see a response from management. And what we had to do uh, from a management standpoint is learn that every comment that was positive, we said thank you, and every comment that was negative, we had to figure out how to solve the problem because it was our fault, not theirs. I love that. That's great. I mean, it's that's a, a great way to to look at things, and especially with tenure too. I like I like that as a metric because, yeah, I mean, first of all, it's extremely costly, uh, like revenue or money wise. I mean, it's a big. It's costly to replace and retrain talent and then your culture takes a hit because when somebody leaves you know their colleagues are like ah man can't believe that person left so so to your point about you know measuring success through tenure i think that's a great one my wife and i heather you know we were both kind of recovering servers we've worked at restaurants and bars many years ago and we always note that like when we go to like a regular a restaurant you know a regular place that we go Mm -hmm. you can always tell what their culture is like by the turnover of the staff. Like, yeah. and you see it, right? You're like, who are all these servers? I've never seen any of these people before. And yeah. it's like, yep, yeah, this place sucks to work for. You can you, you <laughs> see it in their body language. You know, not, you know, Jack Daly is a, a hero of mine. He's a sales guru, but he's also a culture expert. He says, you can smell the culture of a business when you walk in the door. Hmm. It doesn't mean actually like sense of smell, but you can look in the, you can look in a, in a, a business and you can look at the people walking through the lobby and behind the desk you can tell by their to often tell by their body language and their facial expressions whether they're enjoying themselves or not. Mm. And and I don't want anyone listening to think this is oh so so all you do is make your teammates happy, you do whatever they want you to do. No. It it's not about it's it's not about them having fun at work. It's a it's about making work fun. Making it rewarding. So yeah. It's not like it's not like they come in and we play ping pong for six hours and then you work for two. That doesn't get that doesn't help anyone. But we make the it's, we make the work fit the person, fit their 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 skill sets and their strengths. Uh, we make sure that everyone around them is every person is cheering for everyone around them. So imagine working to a work environment where everyone believes in you and is cheering for your success, as opposed to walking in a place where you feel like everybody, someone's out to get you. <laughs> yeah. It's a completely different feeling. It has nothing to do with ping pong or hacky sack or beer or, or anything, right? Mm. It's about a feeling of trust that everyone around you is there to make you better. Uh, it is, it is a, it is, the opposite of a conspiracy theory, right? Yeah. That everyone's out to help you. That's a culture that we created where, where people thrived. Therefore our clients thrive. Therefore the business thrived. A lot of the consulting work I do and, and workshops and trainings that I do are for fast growing companies. And one thing that fast growing companies uh, experience are growing pains, right? Where you're suddenly hiring at such a fast pace. And, and as the leader of an organization, you're juggling lots of, you know, client work and making sure that everybody's happy on that side and that the company's still running you know, smoothly in, in these moments of great growth. However, often culture takes a hit because suddenly nobody knows who they're sitting next to or, and those people haven't been formally introduced. Is that something that you experienced? And if so, like, how did you handle that? Well, you know, there's rapid growth and there's rapid growth. So I can only speak from my experience, but, mm. but, but the ways, the way we did it is we had an, People have onboarding days. We had a 60-day onboarding checklist, and it's in the book, and we actually put the checklist in the book. But we we took the onboarding opportunity away from HR. It wasn't HR's job to onboard someone. It was the person's job to onboard themselves. And so that we had a checklist of, of 30 different things that they needed to become aware of with the company, and they did it 
by talking to the experts in each role in that company. So mm. in terms of getting to know the people, getting to know the practices, getting to know the thing. Anytime someone came to me and said, I didn't know that, we added it to the checklist, right? Yeah, so, that nice. we, so that we knew that we were doing a good, we were give, honoring new hire by making sure that they were meeting the right people or meeting everyone they could, that they were experiencing the culture that we wanted. And, and the other thing, we told stories about our values because we practiced our values and had plenty of stories to tell. You know, values without stories that back them up are just words on the wall. Mm. And so, and so part of this onboarding process was also them asking to hear and absorbing those stories so that, so that they could actually tell them themselves. And then I mentioned earlier that we had this, you know, people would come and visit us and say, what are you doing? Tell me how you're doing it. So we developed a tour of our agency that featured all our different culture programs and had, you know, we KPIs on the wall, how we measured them and each program had champion uh, made it work. Mm. And so anyone at work at CJ could give that tour. And, and we did that because we believe if you can't give a tour, you may not know the culture. And so it's, it's about, it's about, it's about putting the culture around your people constantly so that it attracts them and they stay or it repels them and they leave but either way, it's a good thing. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great idea. And I, lo- I love I love putting it in the hands of new hires as well because it, it, it's at that point. Like this is something I have to tell people. Like when you first start a job, I always say like ask the stupidest questions you can think of because that's the time to do it. That's the yeah. perfect time. People can say, oh yeah, of course the bathrooms are down the hall to the left. Yeah. I mean, ask the questions because if you don't. And you're, and you're working for a company for months or years and you don't know the answer and you're going to, you can't ask the question at that point. It's like, it's like knowing somebody for a long time, but not knowing their name or something. And it's like, uh, what's your name again? Like you'd look like a total jerk. So, so at that point, yeah. So it's so important to ask those questions. And I like the fact that you kind of empowered your, your team members and your, your new hires, especially to, to have the gumption to, to get out and, and, and to do these things, find out, find out the answer themselves. And the method of that madness was that they weren't talking to one person about 60 programs or 30, you know, however many, they're talking to 30 people about 30 programs. Yeah. So that they're talking to the person who runs the program, which means it's not this telephone game of, of, you know, the story getting changed three people down the line. Yeah. So, so everyone's hearing about the programs and, and what they need to learn firsthand as opposed to fifth hand. So we're based both, uh, we're both based in Nashville. Um, are you familiar with CMA Fest uh, bingo? I'm, I'm, well, I'm familiar with bingo and I'm familiar with CMA Fest. I'm not, you've, you've just made a new word for me, a new, a new chapter here. Okay. So the Nashville scene, I think it is, which is our, you know, alt weekly for folks listening have, uh, and it might have been started earlier actually by Nashvilleist, which used to be a blog here. Um, but it was basically a, po- like a bingo card. And so during CMA Fest in Nashville, for everyone listening, we get, you know, uh, just a, a ton of tourists, uh, many of which, are, are drunk a lot and down on Broadway and things. So anyway, you, you use these bingo cards to uh, spot like, you know, drunken woman with a cowboy hat or like yeah. pedal tavern, you know, crashed or all these crazy things that take place only in Nashville. Yeah. Um, a mobile hot tub, uh, which sadly is a thing now. Uh, I categorize that under new Nashville, but I digress. Anyway, you got me thinking what would be really, what would be really cool is to do like a, a, a bingo card for new employees to find the certain things in the organization and, right. and complete their, their new hire bingo card in a way. You're improving, you know, you've taken what I'm calling a checklist, you've turned it into a bingo card, which is even more fun. And that's, that's another thing that, that great cultures have in common is they don't stuck, they don't get stuck doing it the same way. They innovate, innovate, innovate. They keep coming in ways. To, to gamify it, make it more real, uh, and cover the relevant facts. And one way that you did that is with your bookshelf at, yes. at CJ. Yeah. So tell, tell, tell us a little bit about that, that program and how you, you compensated your team members for reading books. 
Well, just just like you know, so many entrepreneurs uh, these days, and that that they read a book, they think it's great, they buy ten copies, they hand it out to their team, and they say, "Read this book. We're talking about it in two weeks." And then you know, a third of the team read the book because that's the way, that's the kind of people they are. A third of the people absolutely don't read the book because that's the kind of place that they are. And then a the third skim the book, and we come together in two weeks, and you spend an hour listening to me rant and rant and rant over a book that I read. You probably didn't. Right. <laughs> that is a typical business book club and it's uncomfortable if you're if you're the kind of person that does that i know this is uncomfortable to hear mm. but your last book is not your team's next book as, even as much as you think it is your last book is not your team's next book and i had to learn that the hard way which is that no one read my books mm. and so out of out of you know frustration i just came up with this concept that said why aren't they reading why aren't they reading why aren't they reading and the and so i just said look if I, i'm going to bring all these books from home that I've read, I'm going to put them on the shelf. And if you read them, I will pay you. And I, and I got into this, I go through and I put it in the, inside the cover, 50 bucks, 75 bucks, 100 bucks. And this was, you know, this is 20 years ago. And that actually was a little bit of money. And, and, and <laughs> slowly but surely people started reading the books and saying, where's my money? Now I'm thrilled that they read the books and I gladly paid them the money. Uh, and as we grew as an agency and as more and more people started doing it, we had to develop a system to keep up with it all because it realized that now that, that I want to, I want to know every book you've read, Dave, and I want to know everyone that's read that book mm. in my company. And so we built it out of spreadsheets and scotch tape and duct tape. And then that became a little application that is now an actual application that companies use around the globe. We call it Better Book Club. And it is the best thing most companies have ever found to help books and brands. It's, it's, it's not perfect, but it's really good and it really works. And what we found is that with, with, if I could get books in the brains of my people, I, they, they thought more for themselves. They grew more themselves. They became better humans, which made us a better business. And it just worked and worked and worked. Did you ever get to a point where you're like, Holy crap. Like I'm paying way too much money <laughs> every what month. A, like, did you ever go get to like cutting that check going, Oh my, or, Oh my God. Like, I can't believe I'm paying this much for, I mean, it's a good thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But were you like, I can't afford to buy a book for myself now. Cause I'm paying all yeah. my team members to read these books. Well, yeah, that, that, that's a, that's a, <laughs> that's a common concept of people go, I can't afford that. You can't afford not to. Right. It's it was the best money we spent on training. We paid someone a hundred bucks to read outliers versus paying three thousand dollars to send them to a conference where they drank all the knowledge away before they even got back. Mm -hmm. Like it makes absolute no sense that dollar for dollar, pound for pound, paying people to read is by far a better investment of of, of uh, growth dollars. Um, and so we would you know, we were spending uh, twelve, fifteen, eighteen thousand dollars a year paying people to read. But it was the best money we could spend on growing our people, helping them learn yeah. from the experiences contained in those books uh, so that they became better humans, so that we became a, a better business. And and we argue, I mean, I've had hundreds of conversations, but n no program yet. I've, I've yet to have a conversation with any company whose traditional book club program, or for that matter, any book program got more brains, more books and brains than Better Book Club. Yeah. And so with the website now and the business itself, the betterbookclub.com business, yeah. tell, tell us a little bit about how that, how that works for folks. I, I, I'm a user, but I'm also an outlier just because I don't, I don't, I pretty much work for myself. So I don't really, yeah. I mean, if my culture sucks, I'm not going anywhere anyway. So <laughs> well, <laughs> my boss is a jerk. Yeah, the three things to know about Better Book Club is that Better Book Club is not a book club. Like that's the first thing is we're a better way to get books and brains, but we're not actually a book club. So if if you're looking for a book club where everyone reads the same book and we and we talk and you get to talk about it, that's not this. Hmm. Number two is it's not I it's not a better the Better Book Club is not necessarily for individuals uh, the way the way Goodreads is. Uh, it is built for companies to sign up and have a better book club. Uh, which gets more books and brains. Uh, and, and third is that, um, if, if you happen to be a leader right now saying that, that sounds just crazy enough, I might want to do it. 
the number one way I can tell you that I know your Better Book Club will fail in your company is if you, the leader, say, I'm going to be in charge of this. <laughs> Better Book Now, that's true of almost every program that, that you always need a champion, a checklist, and, and they need permission to fail to get it right. But especially true with Better Book Club because Better Book Club is not something that we want to go from the top down. It's something we want to build from the bottom up. We want people reading so that uh, first to get paid uh, first to get paid or first to get better or first just to make uh, their team or boss happy. It doesn't matter which one comes first. We just want to get books and brands. And if we can do it from the bottom up, it's way more effective than trying to do it from the top down. That's awesome. T- tell me a little bit about uh, your own, or maybe your own, but any anyone's like personal accountability. That's something that I, I noticed that you, you shared a little bit about. Like, What are some tips for accountability for yourself? Uh, help me narrow that down a little bit, like, like in my personal life and my business life, uh, in, in, in both. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, let's say both. Okay. So in, in business, I, I would say the number one thing we did for accountability was morale survey, because no matter how fast you run, you cannot the comments and the thoughts of others. If they don't understand, it's probably because you didn't tell them. If, if, if they're upset about something, it's probably because you didn't get their opinion first. If, mm. If they um, uh, feel like they're being looked over uh, for uh, a raise, a job, an opportunity, then it's, it's, then it's up to you to make sure that they have a clear understanding of how to get where they want to go. And so the accountability in reading the comments every month was the best way we kept improving things at the agency. For me personally, in terms of the books I read, the workouts I do, uh, the conversations I had, I found that if I write down a goal, then I will march toward it. I will break that goal down into small bite-sized chunks and I'll march toward it. If I just think it, I always maintain about the same distance from it, which is nowhere close. Yeah, that's great. Take it. Yeah. Take it and dissecting and pulling it apart is is such a good way to do. And then setting like actual, you know, deadline dates and things to achieve each, each piece of that goal makes. Yeah. So, so getting in shape is one example. And and one of my routines is I'm, I want to do, uh, uh, 400 push-ups a week. And so how do you do 400 push-ups a week? Well, you start by doing 25, mm-hmm. right? And you, and you write down 25 and then the next day you do 50 and the next day you do 25 and the next day, maybe you're in a hurry you only do 10, but you get to, you add it all up and you get to 130. Well, it's not 400, but it ain't zero either. Right. And so yeah. the next week you start over and the next week you start over and that, that I do that myself because it helps me feel accountable to the goal. How do you track that that success? That Excel. Now, and it, you know what? Excel does everything until someone figures out how to do it better, and so I just I just track it in Excel. Yeah, that's good. What's uh, what's the biggest challenge that you're you're hearing about now, or you're seeing for for company leaders these days? Like, what's a challenge that that they seem to be facing? It, you know, everyone's real scared about the, the, the new normal. You know, what, what are we going back to? Are we going to, to, to two days in the office, three days in the office, five days in the office, no days in the office? Uh, is now that people are hiring from afar, my entire, my entire, uh, uh, workforce is at risk. They, you know, Johnny, who works for me in Nashville might be hired by a company in Seattle because they don't care where he is anymore because they've learned to live in this sort of hybrid world. Now that also opens up opportunities for, for them because now they can hire Fred from Seattle who knows geographically viable before but now that's different there is a talent you know it, it's a talent search and that talent can come from anywhere right now which means you can hire from anywhere but anyone can be hired from you um and so that's a concern um these the um i'm hearing you know how do we implement culture and communication in this new world uh my answer to that is is take what you were doing and adapt one thing towards what you believe your new normal is. Like, don't try to change everything at once, just slowly. Like when you're driving, you never jerk the wheel, like small little turns, and move it towards the new place. Uh, so so if you were doing um, a better book club before and, and you based it on a library that you had in your office, then then open that up to Audible or to uh, you know e-books and make sure that people know that they can read, listen, or do anything as opposed to be limited by, by what was previous before. And that, that, that can be applied to almost every program that you have. If you just stop, write down where you want to go, and talk to your people about it. One thing I'm finding is more companies are hiring me to deliver presentations and workshops virtually as, as a way, like my, my talks always have like actionable 
you know, takeaways that people can use, but I also bring a lot of humor and make sure they're really interactive. And so we have a lot of fun, even though it's a virtual thing. Are you finding any, any of those in, in your experiences or, or in your own speaking business? I'm finding that, 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 uh, zoom fatigue is, is an excuse, not a disease. Like, yeah. like, 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 we'll gladly spend hours, you know, watching Netflix shows or we'll gladly spend hours involved in something we want to do, but we, but it's an easy excuse when we don't want to do it to say, I don't, I don't have time for it or I'm, I'm, I'm zoomed out or whatever. That comes back to presenter making it entertaining enough. The headlines be right. The content be good and the presentation being good enough that you want to watch. Uh-huh. And so I, that for, for me, it's about keeping conversation, you know, keeping presentations, uh, 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 bright enough, short enough, and impactful enough that that people uh, that becomes remarkable, which is worth remarking about, which always gets me the next gig. Yeah, and, and, and Zoom fatigue. Yeah, I like your your uh, your approach to that, or your thinking about that. Like, it's not it's not so much yeah Zoom fatigue. It's boring meeting fatigue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or virtual same, boring meeting. It's fatigue. the same problem we've always had, right? It's just, yeah. We went from complaining about meetings to complaining about Zoom. But when the meet, when the meeting is good, when, when you're able yeah. to participate, when you have input, when you feel like you've gotten somewhere, then it's time well spent, right? Mm. That's different than when I'm unengaged, unasked, uh, and uninformed. Who is somebody that was uh, especially helpful to you in your career? Oh. Uh, you, uh, I'll, I'll, you know, every time we've talked, every time we talk, right, I learn something and I, and I, you know, I hope that's true of a lot of people, but literally I think of, I think when you ask me that question, I think of a, of a category I call, but not for, but not for this person, this conversation, this insight, I would not be where I am. Mm. And, and that list for me starts, you know, all the way back from my, my father, who took me on every business trip before, you know, before I was six years old and, and I learned to read off road signs and met, you know, CEOs of companies that we were doing business with. And it stretches through, through tons of people in my life, mentors, coaches, uh, business people, first job opportunity people, uh, and, and goes all the way to my most recent business partner, my most recent COO, uh, who, who, but not for, we would not have achieved the goals includes my wife, includes my kids, you know, just all the people that you think about that say, yeah, but not for that person, this would not be so. And what line of work was your dad in? He was a, a contractor. We had a building. I grew up stacking paint and, 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 and sorting nails and, and, and sorting lumber. And, you know, I, I grew up, you know, in a, in a warehouse where sometimes I got to come to the front where there was air conditioning, but most of the time I had to be in the warehouse where it wasn't, <laughs> uh, but uh, but he 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 had a, we had a little uh, hardware store in a little town in Arkansas, and he and he was a contractor. He built steel buildings for farmers, and that you know, I grew up in that sort of environment. Nice. Okay, so let me do the lightning round. Okay. So complete this sentence: Nice guys and gals finish first. What's a nice book you recommend to the nice makers? I know you mentioned a couple earlier, but what's one that comes to mind right away? Oh gosh, you know, the, the, I, you know, I. The question is, tell me what you want to learn, and I'll recommend a book. It's so hard. There's you know, there's thousands and thousands of books. Uh, it is it is um, Love Is Free. Um, who is it was written by the founder uh, Monty Moran, the found one of the founders of um, Mexican Chipotle. Mm. Um, it's called Love Is Free. Guac Is Extra, and he tells the story of of how. Uh, Chipotle came to me and, and, and how he treated his team and how his team treated him and their customers. And, and it's a nice book. It made me smile a lot. It made me think about uh, better ways we can, we can treat the people around us and to get them engaged in what we do. Uh, it's an easy read uh, and it's fun. Great. How is Arnie nice to himself? Just thinking that wasn't much of a lightning answer. I apologize for that. That was uh, good. The, uh, I, 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 I work out, uh, daily. I smoke cigars daily. Uh, I enjoy a bowl of cereal, uh, almost every day. Uh, I, I have, I have fun almost every day and, and that's how I'm nice to myself. I don't know anything about cigars, but what type of cereal? 
Oh, I'm a, I'm a cereologist. I, I mix cereals. Oh, wow. So, so I'll take a little rice checks and I'll take a little uh, multigrain Cheerios and I'll, I'll take a little granola and sen- sometimes I'll mix in some, some uh, cinnamon checks or, or something to give it just a little bit. So I'll, I will mix typically three or four cereals uh, when I eat cereal. You don't mess around. And I'm, I love going to the, like, my, you know, my daughter played soccer and we tra- we used to travel and travel in the Hampton Inns and I, and they would have those cereal, <laughs> they would have those cereal things that you spin around and yes. say, yeah, would, you turn the handle. Yeah, that was the greatest serologist mixing stations in the world. So you would make the, uh, what, what, what as a Canadian we used to call swamp water and what I've learned over the years that Southerners call suicide. Uh, where you mix different yeah. pops or sodas or yeah, cokes yeah. in the South, it's all Coke. I get it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I did that with cereal. You're exactly right. I did. I do. I do that with cereal. Okay, what's a word for that? What's what's that? What's the name of that? We need we need to name this. Like you got your suicide, your swamp water. So you're at a Hampton Inn. You you. I don't know. I don't we, know, we could, we, I don't have a, I don't have a quick snappy name for it because it, you know, sometimes they have, uh, <laughs> they, they have, sometimes it's all healthy inside the wheel and you're like, damn, I need a little sugar or something. It's all <laughs> sugar and you're like, damn, I need a little healthy. Like, so it, it depends. Man. But I do, I do think I'm a cereologist. I know cereals. I know the cereal aisle in the, in the grocery store like no one. When I was a kid, I was, I never liked milk, but I love chocolate milk. Um, which I don't think is that uncommon, but, uh, as a kid in Canada, we didn't have Cocoa Krispies when I was a kid. And, Uh and, but, but when, so every time I came to the States for, you know, spring break or whatever, we would, I would always stock up on my Cocoa Krispies because like they would make the milk chocolatey. And so it was like just the perfect thing. Yeah. It changes everything. Everything's a different color now. And it, yeah, it's a whole different world. Yeah. Cocoa puffs are like that. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, and finally, if you had a billboard, what would it say? Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> nice. I like spelled it. backwards, which is which is my which is my trademark logo. So that that's what I would is wrong spelled backwards. Which would be great too, because then you could look at it in your rearview mirror. Well, no, this. Well, how would you do that? Because the signs, if you saw it in your rearview mirror, you'd already be past it, I guess. So you'd have yeah. to. Yeah, you just have to look at it, and you would. I think. What would you think if you saw wrong spelled backwards? What would I think if I saw it? Yeah, you. When you, what's the first thing that comes to your head? I think. Well, that's wrong. That's right. <laughs> ah, I see what you did there. <laughs> I remember there was a billboard uh, that I saw years ago that I thought was genius, and it was actually a McDonald's billboard, and it was all in. Um, it was a. It was like during the day, uh, you wouldn't see it, anything on the billboard, but at night it, it was built with reflective things oh, yeah. and it was for their 24 hour, uh, drive throughs. I love it. And so at night your headlights would make it shine and it would, it would reveal that McDonald's is open 24 hours. Kind of cool. In a better day, you wondered what it said. So you, you became remarkable. It'd be something you might say something to your passenger about like, what's that? Why is there nothing there? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I like the wrong because that's definitely something you would, uh, you would also point out to your passengers. Or, yeah. All right. Well, Arnie, how can people get a hold of you, learn more about you, pick up your book and all those good things? Uh, you know, it, it, wherever, wherever fine books are sold, you'll find worth doing wrong. Uh, uh, betterbookclub.com, betterbookclub.com. And then if you, if you just need even more Arnie, it's worth doing wrong.com. Um, happy to out, happy to talk, happy to, Happy to explain um, my brand of crazy to anyone willing to listen. (laughs) And it's a great brand. Thank you so much for joining today. Nice to be here, Dave. Thanks for listening to the next podcast. Theme music provided by Alistair Crystal at alistaircrystal.ca. Hey, if you enjoyed the conversation, please take a moment to leave us a review. The links are in the description. I'll have more of that soon. Did you know that new subscribers of the Nice Baker email newsletter receive a free copy of my little ebook, Improve with Improv? Each Friday, I share nice stories, tools, tips, and much more, and you can grab it now from nicemaker.co or by clicking the link in the episode description. I'm Dave Delaney. Take care and be nice. <laughs>